I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. <laughs> you can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. People told me slow my road. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're gonna have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. The Mansell's coming of age movie is a pretty familiar genre. From the Adam Sandler movies of the 90s to Failure to Launch, Employee of the Month and Step Brothers. But Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson, who co-wrote it with Apatow, does enough to avoid being cliched. It follows Scott Pete Davidson, in the sort of role that would have gone to Seth Rogen not too long ago. Scott is unemployed, perpetually stoned, and he lives at home with his widowed mum, Marissa Tomei. He spends his days smoking weed with his loser friends while dreaming of becoming a tattoo artist. Scott is in a state of arrested development after the death of his firefighter father when he was seven years old. He has ADD and he's medicated for depression. This is overall pretty familiar material. Scott's mother, Margie, played by Tomei, has been waiting on him, which has stopped him from developing any independence and has also deprived her of a life of her own. When, after a surprising sequence of events involving Scott, Margie meets Ray, Bill Burr, and Margie enters into her first long-term relationship in 17 years. Unsurprisingly, Scott does not approve of his new dad, and as a result, there is suddenly pressure on Scott to move out of home. What I liked about this movie was that each time it erred towards being formulaic, it either stopped short or went in a different direction entirely. I tried to summarise the movie as best I could, but the truth is, it doesn't really have a clear plot per se, and that's the way I like movies to be. It's character-driven, exploring Scott at a difficult point in his life. It's about his exploits with his derelict friends, about him dealing with the comparison with his younger and more successful sister. It's about his friends with benefits relationship with Kelsey, played by Belle Powell. It's about him getting a shitty job through his cousin, and it's about his rivalry with Ray. It uses these subplots to flesh out Scott's character. For instance, his sister's graduation party is preceded by the drama of Margie asking Scott to wear one of his father's old suits. This works on two levels, signifying Scott's reluctance to be the man of the house, but also the fact that he is a pariah and uncomfortable in social situations. The King of Staten Island's runtime actually felt perfect. Stupidly, it was a deterrent for me to see it until now. Not too long ago, I was in the mood for something light, and I went with the 91-minute 
semi-pro, with my gut telling me that the two and a quarter hours of The King of Staten Island was too long for a comedy. But it actually works well. The movie takes its time to develop its central characters and establish a sense of equilibrium that gets rocked, first with Claire going away to college and then with Margie dating Ray. I also felt the runtime ensured that sufficient time was spent on the various subplots. There's a scene where Ray takes Scott to a baseball game and Steve Buscemi is there. I thought that this was just a cameo, but in the last third of the movie, Buscemi becomes a major character and he delivers arguably one of the best performances in the movie. The King of Staten Island is humorous and then it strays into drama. It did so in a subtle way that I didn't notice the transition while watching it. There is a semi-autobiographical element to the King of Staten Island, as Pete Davidson's own father was a firefighter who was killed rescuing people during September 11. I'm not all that familiar with Pete Davidson, but given that he is my age and a successful star, it's clear that he's not quite as directionless as Scott. I liked that the movie avoided being too autobiographical and exploring Davidson's world of stand-up comedy. That's been done before, and I find it tiresome seeing real-life comedians playing stand-up comedians on screen. The movie is not without its faults. There is a poignant moment where Steve Buscemi's character, Papa, reveals to Scott what Scott's father was like. As it turns out, by Papa's own admission, Scott's dad, Stan, was a lot like Scott, He was impulsive and drug-addled, but he was a hero when called upon. This has an important effect of demythologizing his father and allowing Scott to realize that he's capable of being a good person, despite all his faults. Unfortunately, what should have been a poignant moment of quiet reflection is ruined by the spelling out of this subtext to his mum in a subsequent scene. Also, the cynic in me was kind of annoyed by how talented an artist Scott was. Maybe it's just a personal preference, but the Goodwill Hunting-esque hidden genius movies really irk me. I would have preferred if Scott was a middling or even a woeful tattoo artist who nevertheless has to deal with the responsibilities of adulthood. But even so, that Scott was such a talented tattoo artist did not really impact the theme of the movie. There are also a few moments that err with the characterization of Margie. Her abrupt eviction of Scott felt a bit too harsh, and there's a later scene where Scott comes to visit her, and she drunkenly belittles him and then leads him outside under the guise that they'll talk, only to lock the door on him. That felt out of character for a mother whose central flaw was being too caring. I also found it hard to believe that she didn't know where her son lived. The idea that she would flip from Oedipal mother to neglectful and uncaring felt forced, especially given that Scott's transgressions were minor. I appreciate that it was necessary in order for Scott to grow as an adult, and also for the plot to move forward, but it could have been better handled. Overall, this movie handles a lot of delicate threads well. There were repeated moments where I thought that this movie was heading towards predictable territory, but then it surprised me. A more conventional movie would have made Margie's relationship with Ray the centre of the story, and the next hour would be about Scott devising some reverse parent trap to break them up. 
That does happen, but it's only a small part of the movie. Likewise, when Scott ruins Margie's relationship with Ray, I expected Scott to have a moment of self-awakening where he realises the selfishness of his ways and strives to bring them back together, like in Step Brothers. But that doesn't happen. There's also the expectation that, given this is a coming-of-age movie, Scott will find his calling. By the second half of the movie, we're guessing what that will be. He's good with kids, as shown when he looks after Ray's children. Scott also spends a sizable chunk of time with some of the firefighters who knew his father. I'm glad that this movie didn't have Scott so blatantly follow his father's footsteps. Although logic dictates that you need training to become a fireman, there were a few times when I thought Scott would suddenly don the uniform or risk his life in a fire. Thankfully, that never happens. In fact, this movie isn't afraid to leave a bit of uncertainty. There's a bit of romance with Kelsey, but it's handled with a light touch. There's no romantic music or extended shots of them kissing. The movie ends with Scott having grown up somewhat, but still not having figured things out, which is expected for a 24-year-old. Same is said for the older characters Margie and Ray, who take a back seat while never feeling underdeveloped. If this was a conventional movie, there would be a fade to black and then a six months later epilogue where Scott is with Kelsey, Margie and Ray are back together, and they are celebrating that Scott has just opened up his own tattoo parlour and is now ultra successful. Instead, we're not quite sure what's in store for these characters. But hey, that's real life. I mean, Phelps had a fistful of gold medals by 24. Why are you talking? I'm just giving you some perspective, that's all. You know, Wayne Gretzky had like 96 goals when he was 24. What? Roger Staubach graduated West Point, won a Heisman Trophy, fought in the Vietnam War, and then joined the Cowboys by the time he was 24. I don't know who that is. So, so who, who gives a fuck? It's nine months from now. I mean, you, you, you have a baby in nine months. It's a long time. Are you moving in? Are you trying to push me out? What, like, what did I do? I thought we were cool. Scott, Scott, let's all be adults here. Come on, your mother has worked very hard for a very long time. And I'm gonna retire in a couple of years, so things are gonna change around here. But in a good way. I mean, we, we think you, that you can do great things. Yeah, I know I'm gonna do great things, but like, I don't need you to tell me that. Like, you're gonna make me babysit your kids? Do, I'm on, I do drugs. Well, looks like you're walking. No. I'm not fucking letting you take them. Fuck you. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Why? That, it was Ray's idea. I don't think I should be taking them either. I agree with you. Are you a weirdo? Oh, the weirdest. Nobody's weirder than me. See, a weirdo wouldn't say that. A weirdo would deny it. Pay attention. Got it. Hold both their hands. Thank you. Look both ways. Look both ways!